as if it's not working on your behalf, know that it's already worked. It's already done. And we have to keep looking to him who is the author and finisher of our faith. And I guarantee you, when you keep your eyes more on him, then you keep your eyes on your situation. You will come out of depression. You will come out of oppression because the joy of the Lord will give you the strength that you need to go through everything that you're going through. And I'm going to tell you something. There is no financial problem with God because God owns everything. So whatever situation you even in financially, God has come to heal, deliver, and set free. Amen. So depend on him. That's why David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not want. So when you know who he is, isn't that awesome? When situations come up, you you should say, God already got this. God already fixed this. It's already done. So, Father, we thank you on today that it is already done, God. You have already fixed it. You have already worked it out. God, whatever situation, whatever problem that's in this room, I thank you that the blood of Jesus have already covered it in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. For without the blood of Jesus, there is no remission for sin. So we thank you that the blood was shed, Father God, for our past, present, and future sins. For that, God, we give you glory. Father, on today, we want to tap into your goodness. We want to tap into your mercy. We want to tap into your loving kindness on today. Because surely, God, you are a good, good father, God. You gave us everything we need to live here on this earth. So, Father, we just say thank you on today. We glorify you on today. We magnify you on today. God, this is not a flesh thing. This is a spiritual thing. So, God, we thank you, God. We thank you for being in the midst of us on today. God, though we don't feel like praising God, God, we're going to give you a sacrifice of praise. In this house on today, God, God, we thank you, God. We thank you and we praise you, Father, for you are high and you are lifted up in this place. So I come against every demonic force that has come in this place to cause havoc, to cause hindrances. Right now, in the name of Jesus, you are dismissed from your assignment. In Jesus' name. Every form of witchcraft, I speak that it's been broken right now in the name of Jesus. And God, we just say thank you on t- this morning, God. We honor you. We honor your presence. So Holy Spirit, be our teacher, be our helper today. Lead us, guide us into all truth, Holy Spirit. Illuminate the word. Let there be light coming from the word that it penetrates our very being on today. And God, as I open my mouth to teach your people, it becomes fire. And it devours everything going on around us today. It becomes a hammer that breaks the rocks into pieces. I thank you and I praise you. That is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. For I have been crucified with Christ on today in Jesus name amen God is good God is good and all the time he is good amen I don't know about you I don't know if it's the lights but it's kind of hot in here are we in agreement hallelujah thank you Jesus 
What I want to do on today, we've been teaching on knowing who God is. And y'all, I'm telling you, this is a good thing. Because when you know who God is, there's nothing that you cannot do or nothing that you cannot accomplish. So we're going to go back into this teaching today. And I believe the more that we get taught on this, the more we'll be able to see where God has taken us. Amen. So let's go back to Exodus, the 20th chapter. The word is here to give us everything that we need. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say, if change have not come in your life, it's because you're not accepting that change. Because when the word of God is given unto you, it brings change. It brings life and it turns on a light. And the word have you thinking, amen? amen. Exodus chapter 20, let's begin at verse 1. And God spake all of these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above, or that's in the earth beneath, or that's in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Let's go back into knowing who he is. Amen. You can be seated. When I was before the Lord, I was saying, God, the word that's coming forth, you know how you are around people and the word is there. The word is present because he is the word and he's in us, right? Have you ever wondered that in this world, you see so many people that are without God? And you know the word is being given to people, but then you see their lifestyle. And yet it hasn't changed. I don't know about you, but that bothers me. So I have to go back and say, okay, God, what is it that I'm not doing? What is it that we're not doing where people are not getting it and don't want to come from the world and come to the kingdom of God? Have you ever thought about that? Because when you're around people on a daily basis, I'm just going to say Christians, and you're around them and you're living your life the way that you know God wants you to live that life. You're showing his love. You're showing his goodness. You're showing his mercy. But it seems like Christians are still in the same place that they were in before. So you begin to wonder, God, they're saying the same thing. They're doing the same thing. They're going to the same places. God, what more can be done? Sometimes you have to loose those people. Because everybody that say, Lord, Lord, they don't know him. When you truly know who God is, a change takes place in your life. You don't settle for any and everything, y'all. You don't let any and everything come up in your home. You don't let any and everything go on in your home. Why? Because this is where God is. Because he's in you and this is where you are. So you just don't let anything happen and just say, oh, well, you don't let people come in your home and be cursing. You don't let people stay in your home and they're not married, sleeping in the same bed because you know who he is. 
You don't allow people to disrespect God who is in you. This is when you know who you are in him because you hurt deeply on the inside. God hates sin. How do I know? Because when his only son was on the cross and he took on the sins of the whole world, God had to turn away from his son because of sin. I'm going to ask the church, do we turn away like God has turned away from sin? Or are we enjoying it for another moment? We don't know when God is going to show up. We don't know, so we always have to have our bags packed and ready. I don't want to just miss hell, y'all. I want to live heaven here on earth to let people know, guess what? I can have my heaven here before I go be with the Father for seven years before he create a new heaven and a new earth. Some people are saying when I die, I'm going to heaven, but you coming back here to a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven is not going to be your permanent home. Who told you? Because that's not what the word says. So while I'm down here, y'all, I want to live a good life. I want to live that life that Jesus came for me to have. Life and life more abundantly. I just don't want to live any kind of way just to get by. Because that's not the God whom I serve. That's not the God who's in me. How do I know this? Because when you know who he is, you just don't settle for nothing. You always go after what God says belong to you. This is why we have to stay before him. Y'all, we just don't settle for less. That's not who we are. We are kingdom people. We don't settle for less just because it look good and feel good. If that's not what God want us to have, we don't settle for it just to get by. God is not a just to get by God. Well, you know what? I'll take this. It'll get me through the week. No. If God said that's not what he want me to have, no. Because he's still God. He's not a jest to get by God. He's not a God that you bargain with to say, God, if you just take this pain, God, I'll do this. No. He's a God that has already taken the pain. So I don't have to bargain with him to get him to do anything because that's who he is. Ask your neighbor. Say, do you really know who he is? Say, quit playing, quit playing. Do you really know who he is? I don't know about you. But in my situations that pop up in my life, I get to know who he is. By sitting there in the midst of him. And I think now, honey, some people are kind of cold. Um, I sit there in the midst of him. See how much God love you? Somebody got to say something. I, when I sit in the midst of him... Y'all, it's mm, 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 good. And when I see people that don't sit in the midst of him, that's always wanting something from him, I say, you don't know how good he is. You don't know what he's already done. 
When you go to your father and you just go to him to get something for him, you don't know who he is. See, God wants us to go to him so we can sit and fellowship with him to develop our relationship with him. Because I don't have to ask for something I know I already have, y'all. When I go to him, I'm saying, Father, I already got this, I already got that. But God, let me just sit and talk to you for a while. Come on, we can go to him when we're feeling like we're missing something. But how many can just go and have a conversation? Have you ever had a conversation with your earthly father without asking anything from him? God said, I just want to have a conversation with my people without them coming to me always saying when, what, and where, God. He said, I just want you to sit and hear me. Hear what I have to say to you on today. Yes, we can cry out to God, y'all. But God said, I just want to commune with you. I just want you to come and rest in my goodness. Rest in everything that I have already provided for you. God said, there is a rest in me. There's a rest in every promise that's in this word. And when you take that promise that I have already given you and you sit and you rest in that promise, your whole atmosphere began to change around. God said, your atmosphere have to change. And first of all, it has to come from the inside out, not the outside in. See, we're inviting the outside in. God said, I want, I work from inside out. The enemy worked from outside in. He wants you to take everything that's outside dealing with the world and he wants you to plant it within your heart. And that blocks the power of God from moving through you the way he needs to move. There should be a moving and a shaking. Every time we get before God, we just feel so much of his awesomeness that we say, oh, Father, I know you here. You're moaning and you're groaning. Have you ever moaned and groaned when you were with God? Have you ever laughed so hard when you're with God that is such an overflow that when it comes to God, that everything else in your life, you don't even pay attention to it no more. The hurt, the pain, the dissatisfaction. You're saying, I'm here with the Father and he's made everything all right. Even though in the natural, it don't look right. It don't feel right. You know it's all right. Have you ever been there? Have you ever really been there? See, it takes time. It takes time, just like a baby. When that baby's in that mother's womb, she's taking care of that baby from the womb. She's making sure she's eating right, because she, if she knows she eat right, the baby's going to eat right. She's making sure she's on point with everything, because it's going to affect that child that's within her. But once that child comes out, of that wound and there's the father and there's the mother. That child is getting to know them on a daily basis. They're knowing the cries of that child. They know when that child is sick. They know when that child is too rotten. They know when that child is wet. They know when that child just need to cry it out. This is how it is with God. He says, sometimes I just let you cry it out. Because sometimes you just have to get it out before I can even say anything. Because you're not listening. God said, I want to be heard. And the only way we can allow him to be heard 
is taking time with God. So ask your neighbor, say, neighbor, are you taking time out with God? Do you really know who he is? Say, let's see. Now, let's go into the word. We see that God was allowing the children of Israel to really know who he is. God had taken them out of a place, a place that they were familiar with for 400 and some years. Can you imagine being in a place for 400 and some years and you becoming so familiar with what they do and how they do it that even when you come out of that place, you still got some habits you picked up from that place. I believe all of us can say amen to that. Because even though God has brought us unto him through his son, we have picked up some habits from the world. And those habits that we have picked up now and again, we see those habits in our lives. And those habits, if they're not lining up with the word of God, we have to get rid of them. Sometimes we ask God to get rid of them, but God said there's something that you have to do to get rid of them. He said the part of yours is be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can prove what the good And the what acceptable will of God is for your life. Until our minds are transformed and changed, y'all, we're going to still think the same thing. We're going to still act the same way every now and then because some Christians try to fool you. This is what they do. They act one way around me and may act another way around you. But see, God know all the ways. He know all the ways that you cut up. See, there's only one way with God, and that way is Jesus Christ. One thing that I have learned, God don't change my voice. He put a little boldness in it, but I ain't going to try to be somebody that I'm not. I'm going to talk like I always talk. I'm not going to listen to somebody on television and try to mimic that person. And then when I come off the pulpit, then it's a different language. See, we got to be whom God has called us to be. We're not out to please man. We're out to please God. And the only way we can do that is being in his word 24-7, y'all. This is not a hit and miss thing. This is not a hit and miss. We don't try to hit and miss with other things, but we try to hit and miss when it comes to the word. So what God was teaching them, he said, you've been in Egypt so long. I want you to get to know me. I want you to get to know who I am. This is why Moses said, whom do I tell them has sent me? He said, tell them I am that I am. I am have sent you. Meaning that I'm Jehovah. I'm the self-existing God. I depend on no one. My dependency is not on anyone. I exist before anything have existence. So God said, This is who they need to depend on me because they're getting ready to go into a wilderness and it's not going to be like it was in Egypt. I'm going to be their protector. I'm going to be their healer. I'm going to be everything that they need for me to be. God said the church have not come out of the wilderness because we don't know who he is. And until we know who he is, we're still stuck in the wilderness. But in some ways it's good. Because when you're in that wilderness and you can't get no help from mama, from daddy, from sister, from brother, from boss, from friend, and you stuck there and you come, you come to realize, God, I really need you today. 
I have nobody to help me no more. I can't borrow from Peter to pay Paul because they know I'm not going to pay it back. God, I can't do this. I can't do that. God, so I need you right now. So God is really here in your heart. See, sometimes we say it with our mouth, but our heart is far from him. Sometimes people speak out and say what they're saying, but they really don't believe it because that's not where their heart is. God said, I want the heart of my people. He said, can I really have your heart? I want all of you. I just don't want a part of it. I want all of your heart. And if you give me all of your heart, everybody that you around will experience change. Because you're not just going to settle for anything. Don't settle for just anything, y'all. Whatever God promised you, that's what you hold on to. Do not settle because it looked good. Do not settle. If God promised you a Mercedes, don't settle for a Pinto. Not unless God said, I want you to drive the Pinto until you get... No, I'm going to wait on the Lord. If a salesman is trying to sell you something that God says, no. That's not what my God said. I'm going to tell you something. God, he's testing us to see if we're truly dependent upon him. Have you ever been tested with God? Where you waited, you waited... And you waited. God said, you're not ready yet. It's just like putting something in the oven. You're waiting, you're waiting, and you're waiting. But then you look in and say, it's just not ready yet. God said, "Uh uh-uh, you're not ready yet. So this is why he says, we have to wait on our ministry. He said, because you're not ready to minister to nobody when you're not allowing me to minister to you. He said, that's why I say, wait. Again, I say, wait. And then he said, be of a good courage, but wait. On the Lord. So we see these people coming out of Egypt. And they were so happy to come out of Egypt. But guess what y'all. They didn't know what was before. The only thing they know is we out of Egypt. We don't have to work for Pharaoh no more. But we out of Egypt. But God had plans. When they needed water. What did he do? He bought water from a rock. When they needed um, food. He bought bread from heaven. That's the best kind of food that they can get. But doing in between times. They still complain. They still mumber. They forgot about the water from the rock. They forgot about the bread from heaven. What do we do? In between time, we complain. Even after God done something last week, we still not content because something has come up this week. So we're complaining, but we forget what he's already done. God said, how could you forget? Man didn't do that. He said, I did that. See, the enemy wants you to forget those things. So when God was taking me back through this teaching that we were doing, he said, remember this. When I created you, he said, I said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Meaning that we're spiritual beings. He said, but we've taken on the attributes and the characteristics of God. He said, so when people see you, even though they cannot see me, they're going to see me by how you act. But how you carry yourself and they're going to know where you're from. They're going to know if you're about darkness or if you're about light. This is why he said, I gave you the fruit of the spirit. The fruit represents me. They should see love. They should see peace. They should see joy. They should see some long suffering. They should see some meekness, some gentleness, some faithfulness. What else did I miss? They should see this fruit. They should see some kindness. 
And if they're not seeing this in Christian folks, what are they going to say? You are the devil. Because we're supposed to be kind even when people are nasty. We're supposed to be long-suffering and patience even when they done wore you out. You still patient. It reminds me of Apostle Cross when she's showing me something with the computer. And I said, I don't see it. I don't see it. She said, it's right there. I said, no, it's not. I don't see it. I just don't see it. And then she'll stop. She'll say, go back and look. I still don't. Just as patient as she ever want to be. You know what I tell my husband? Well, you just ain't going to see it. That's what I say. You just, let's just stop right there. Right, huh? You just, why you don't see it? It's in right there. <laughs> that ain't God. <laughs> That's me. That's flesh acting up. I'm, I'm shutting down the spirit for a while and just acting up in my flesh. So this is what God wanted to do in the wilderness. He wanted to show the people so much of him that they didn't want Egypt no more. Have you, have you ever been so full of God that you don't want what the world want no more? You don't want to do what the world is doing no more. You don't want to hang around the same people that you used to hang around no more. Y'all, it gets so good with God. You just feel like it's just you and God. You forget you're married. You forget you a mother. You forget you're working because you say, my God has everything. Have you got to that place? That you around everything and everybody. But. God wants us to get to that place, y'all, that nothing moves us. Y'all know how a windshield wiper in the car, now they have them that a little bit of water hits your car, it'll come on. I'm going somewhere. Have y'all noticed? Pass a little drip, they go that windshield wiper. He said that's how it is with us when something little happened in our life. We begin to waver with God. See them windshield wipers come on like that? He said, we become those windshield wipers. We waver. But when nothing is going on, we got some high hallelujahs. We got some words to tell people to encourage them. But little stuff that happened in our life, we begin to say, God, what am I going to do? God said, I already done it. What do you mean? What are you going to do? So see, we like windshield wipers, right? But I remember but the older cars, they didn't make them like that. You had to turn on them things yourself. They even got the cars. Now you hit a button, the lights will go on and off for you. They're brighten up for you, right? I remember that Pinto I had. You had to hit that thing in that floor. I love hitting that thing in that floor. That was my first car. I was happy. Click. I love to hit that thing clip. I said, I done brighten them lights one time. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all sit there and laugh. Y'all may not have a pinto, but I had a pinto and I was happy with my pinto. But now we get so up here, I ain't getting in that. I ride in it. See, we get so, see, God let us know where we are, y'all. When we climb up, we don't want to come back down. Hmm. See, this is what God will do to you. He'll show you, you done got yourself up here. Well, actually, God said, you in a place with me. Now I'm going to test you and see how you feel when I bring you down just a little bit. And when you start whining to God because he brought you down a little bit, you just like that windshield wiper. 
Isn't that right? Because you get to be up here and everybody get to look at you up here. They don't have to look down here no more at you because you done moved up a little bit. Have y'all noticed when kids grow up, you look at them from down here, then your head keep going up a little bit. Then all of a sudden, what you say? Some of them you have to look at up here because they're, they're growing, right? This is what God is saying. That's how I want you to grow in me. He said, I want you to grow in grace, meaning that you're going to start out like a baby needing some milk. But the more you get into me, the more you get into the word of God, you're going to be full grown. And those little things down there that used to bother you and you used to whine like a baby all the time. He said, "Uh, -uh, you ain't going to mumble and complain no more because you're going to know who I am. You're going to know what I have done for you. So it's no point of you mumbling and complaining about that. It's time for you to rejoice and say, God, you're still God. You still sit on the throne. God, there is nothing impossible that you cannot do. You will make the impossible possible. The only thing I got to do is grab hold to you. See, I'm coming out of those whining stages. Some of us still in whining stages. God said you should be further along than that. He said, because I know what you're getting taught. He said, so you should be farther along than that than whining and complaining all the time. Why nobody never liked me? Why nobody never want to hang with me? What's wrong with me? It's nothing wrong with you. The devil wants you to think something is wrong with you. Maybe you too mature for who you hanging with. Maybe they don't want the wisdom that's in you. So when they come up to you, it's like a shield of protection. God say, no, uh-uh, you can't come to that one. Because you don't want to accept what the, y'all got to hear what the enemy is doing. When you know what the enemy is doing, you're not subject to him. You are subject to a God. But we're so subject to the enemy that we just fall prey for everything that he does because we're in and out of this word and we're still trying to fix it. God said, why fix something that's already fixed? I never seen somebody go to a doctor and their arm is broke and they set it in place and they go home and knock it back out of place and say it ain't fixed. No, you make sure that that arm stays in place because you know it's going to hurt. You make sure nobody don't bump it. You make sure nobody don't hit it. You make sure. You know what I mean? Ain't that right, um, Brother Shaw? Don't lay this way. You get full and scrub. Don't come over here. That's what the word's supposed to do. Don't come over here. Sin don't live here no more. You can't come at me any kind of way because I know who I am. Ask your neighbor, say, neighbor, do you know who you are? No, let's say for real on that one. Because if you know who you are, you wouldn't have gotten mad last night. If you know who you are, you're not so easily offended when somebody hits you somewhere that you're hurting, that you tried to hide. And all of a sudden, I don't want to talk to them no more. No, because they done hit something. When we know him, we can know who we are. Because he's in us and we're in him. We're one. So when people see me, they should see him. 
When I come out of him, people know when I come out of him. But when I come out of him, I got to go back into him. That's what apologizing and forgiveness is for. I stepped out of him and I don't went into unforgiveness. Now I got to step back in forgiveness. Even though I know it wasn't my fault, I'm going to forgive you anyhow. Because he's a forgiveness. Now ask your neighbor this. Say, neighbor, did you not know that God is a forgiving God? Say, if he forgave you, what are you holding on to? Shame, shame, shame. Nothing but shame. When we know him, and that's what God was doing, taking them through the wilderness. He said, I want you to get to know me. So I had to give you a, a wilderness experience. Because if I took you to the promised land that quick, you couldn't live there. And matter of fact, some of them died before they even got to the promised land. Because they were still one and they were still complaining. And God said, that generation there, they're going to die here. And I'm going to raise up another generation that's going to come through them that can love me. With all their heart, with all their strength, with all their soul. Can we love God with everything that's in us? God said, I want you to love me with your entire being. And how can you love a God that you don't know? How can you know a God that you haven't heard about? How can you believe in a God that you haven't heard? You got to have somebody to tell you about this loving God. I remember a skit. That we did with Missy over there. And the skit was dealing with a man coming up to Missy. And the man was trying to get Missy to be turned on to him. Missy, I don't even know if she remember, but I got the skit. And Missy said, she looked at him and said, he said, I can love you. She said, no, you can't love me like my man loved me. So he wanted to know who this man was. She said, it's God. So let me tell you something. When you are in love with God, women, there ain't no man that can just come take his place like that. I don't care how much they wine you, dine you, send you flowers, and even send you their car. They cannot take you away from his goodness. They cannot take you away from every... I hear some women say, you're scared. I don't even have a car. Give me a car. (laughs) But when you love him like that, when you love God like that, you're not so easily persuaded, y'all. People cannot move you that quick. So that's why God was taking them through the wilderness because he was letting them know, I want you to know me as your father. I want you to know me. So anything that come up in your life, you know I am is here to help you. So things did come up in their lives, right? They had a lot of downfalls. They had the enemy coming back at them. But guess what? God departed the Red Sea. Come on, who departs the Red Sea? And people are still saying, why didn't you leave me in Egypt? Because Egypt was still in them. Just like we got habits from the world that's still in us. We can tell people one thing, but we switch from that thing when something happened in our lives and the things that we're holding, 
they end up surfacing and we end up talking just like the world and people are like, I can't believe it. I can. That's why God is a forgiving God. Come on. The only reason why we're holy is because of him. The only reason why we're justified is because of him. The only reason why we're sanctified, set apart is because of him. The only reason why we're reconciled is because of him. It's nothing that we've done to get all these things except, except him. That's why he's in us the hope of glory. Because we couldn't do it ourselves. Get over you. You can't do it yourself. He did it on your behalf so you can live this life through him, not through you. You could never get it right. You still can't even be saved unless you depend on the vine. And guess what the vine does? He said, you're the branch. Y'all remember, you're the branch. He's the vine, you're the branch, he's the vine. If you cut yourself off from the branch, you're going to die. But if you hold on to the vine, he said, guess what? I want you to keep bearing fruit. He said, but guess what I'm going to do? It's pruning time. I need to prune you into some areas so you can bear some more fruit. Y'all know about it with a grapevine. Don't it need pruning, Jennifer? If you don't prune it, it's not going to grow more fruit. We don't want to be pruned in some areas. God said you need to be pruned there because your love is off. You need to be pruned there because your joy is off. You should have more joy, not just enough to get by. Every situation should be a joyous situation. Even though it looks like death. Because the more proning you get, the more you can rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. God, I can rejoice because you done prone me in that. People say, how can you be like you are when people talk about you? When people put out lies about you? Let me tell you how I can be. I can be who he is. I can still be a loving person. I can still pray for that person because the word tells me to. Why? Because when you're in him and he's in you, there's no other way except his way. Because when you go your way, it don't work. But when you go his way, God won't only bring you out, but he'll bring the people out that talked about you too. Because the very people that's talking about you, they don't realize they're digging a hole for themselves and they already done fell in that hole. So you shouldn't be at home bothered because they don't like you. If they don't like you, they don't like the God that's in you. He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So what's your problem? Mom and daddy don't like me no more. I got a scripture for you in Psalms 27. It says when your mother and your father forsake you, it says your God will pick you up. He even got one for mothers and fathers, the ones that you think. Did you not know if you get it before mother and father get it, they're going to look at you just like you aren't even their child? I don't know you no more. Why? Because I fell in love with Jesus. God always have something in here to help us out, out there. And if we go in here, y'all, we won't be as bothered as we are because we know who he is. So they got to know, they were getting to know who God is. And God began to take them through challenges, y'all. 
to let them know I'm God. But then Moses had to intercede for him. Y'all remember they had a little party when Moses was up there talking to God. See, God already knew where they were. But God was showing Moses. He said, get down there, your people. He said, them your people. But I'd be like, God, no, they ain't them your people. Them, them people that you put up under me, but them still your people. What did I say? Them your, okay, God, them, them my people. Just tell me what you want me to do with them people. God told Moses what to do and Moses done exactly what. See, that's how it's supposed to be, y'all. It's all about him. It's all about the way he want to run things, not the way we think they need to be ran. And this is the things that we run into. If you got a divided house, it will not stand. If you got two saved people, one in the word and one out the word, it's still divided. Because the one that's in the word is going to see what's coming. The one that's out the word is going to get knocked out and blaming on the one that's in the word. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's your fault the bills ain't getting paid. Humble yourself up under the mighty hand of God and you will be exalted and he'll be put out. Hallelujah. (laughs) You don't have to do nothing but submit to him and his word. This is what submission is all about. Even when the man is wrong, you humbly submit yourself up under the mighty hands of God. And he will exalt you. And do season. And that man's going to wonder what happened. <laughs> you what happened. But God. So he was teaching them the way y'all. The way to come out of the wilderness. God will allow you to go through wilderness experiences. So you can get to know him in a better way. So you can get to know that he is the only one and true and living God. I don't know about you. It's been times in my life. I didn't hear God. And I'm like God where are you? He said I never left you. I'm teaching you how to wait on me. I'm teaching you how to be still. I'm teaching you not to be anxious. Yes, I know what's going on, but I ain't going to say nothing right now. Have you ever got a word that just say, trust me? To do what? (laughs) I hear the trust, but God, give me something else. And he'll stay on that word forever and a day. But when you break down trust, that means. I'm going to depend on you no matter what. I'm going to lean on you no matter what. Because I'm trusted in you. God said, I'm teaching you how to trust in me with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And I'm teaching you how to acknowledge me in all your ways so I can direct your path. You've been trying to direct your own. So just be still and know that I'm God. And the more you're still in him, You get to know who he is. And those are difficult times, y'all. When everything is good, we just go and do what we want. Act like nothing is. We're supposed to be watching and praying at all times. So he took him through the wilderness. And God reminded me, even in his word, about being created in his image. I'm going back there. He said, people are supposed to see my characteristics, my attributes. He said, when it becomes you, he said, I'm not in it. He said, people don't supposed to be seeing you. They supposed to see me. That's how they know where you from, from you from the kingdom of heaven. So when he went through the wilderness with them, he was showing me, we went back to Abraham. Y'all know Abraham had to depend on God totally, completely. He had to leave home. He had to leave what he was familiar with. Let's just be honest. If God told you to leave home and leave everything behind family and everything, would you do it? 
Are you willing to, uh, wait a minute now, check this out. Now I know apostle did it. But see, for years, apostle always said, God is telling me to move, but I don't know where God is telling me to move. I'm awake to see what God want me to be, and that's where I'm going to go. She said it for how many years? About two years, apostle? That's what, that's what she kept saying. She said, when God tell me to go, I'm going to go. Next thing I knew, the day came for her to leave. She left family. And this is the key, y'all. Can you leave a place with no money in the bank? Hello? Can you leave a place when it don't look like you can leave the place? The first thing we would say is, that ain't God. But God said, I want you to leave everything that you're familiar with because I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. I want to heal you. I want to deliver you. I want to be everything to you that you need for me to be. So Abraham took off and he left. His only problem was he took Lot. So God said, what lots do you have in your life that I told you not to bring and you brought? And that very lot that he had in his life, he thought he was doing something good. But guess what? They had to separate themselves because it was so much strife and so much contention amongst them. What was God telling Abraham to do? He did the right thing. You go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. He said it shouldn't be like this because we are brothers. He was in God. He said, you choose. Whatever you choose, you choose it. He chose Sodom and Gomorrah because it looked so pretty. It was so green. It looked so luscious. Y'all look at the world. When we look at television, you hear tell of the stars. They got all these cars. They got all this. They got all that. But when that stuff leave them, they kill themselves because that was their God. When things happen with the government and things begin to go down and it begin to crash, you're going to know who really is serving God. So Abraham, he allowed him to choose. The very place he chose, he had to go be delivered. Did he not? And then after he got delivered, Abraham, he interceded for him. But Lot got delivered, him and his daughters and his wife. But his wife looked back after the angel of the Lord said, don't look back. Where am I going? We're looking back into the world when God has brought us into the promised land that has everything that we need. We still look into the world to supply for us when things get out of place physically. Spiritually, even spiritually, we look into the world. Emotionally, mentally, we look into the world. When we're supposed to be looking to God, this is what God's saying. Who are you looking to first? The world or me? Because I'm the one that created you. I know you emotionally. I know you physically. I know you spiritually. I know you mentally. I know everything about you. I knew your name before you knew your name. I knew your existence before you knew your existence. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by me and not man. So why are you looking to man before you look to me? You know why? Because in the world... We were raised, some of us, to look to man, to bow down. Do you know people bow down to people just to get what they want? People are acting nice to people to get what they want until they get what they want. This is why God gives you the gifts of the Spirit. 
He give you discerning of spirit so you know what spirit is operating around you. God is so good, y'all. He didn't leave nothing. He didn't leave nothing out. So why are we leaving him out? We leave him out because we put other things above him. This is why God said, I am the Lord thy God. I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. You couldn't even bring yourself out of Egypt. I had to get a deliverer and tell the deliverer what to do to bring you out of Egypt. It is my power and my authority that has done this thing, not yours. He said, but the only thing I ask you is to hearken to my commands. Come on, all of us, day by day, we have somebody telling us what to do, right? And when we listen to what they're saying... Guess what? It turned out all right. But we got to know who we're listening to. So we got to listen to what God is saying first and foremost. No matter where you go, you got to say, God, this is where I want to be. But God, I'm asking you, where do you have for me at this time? Just like Apostle, he showed her the place. He helped her with the place. He gave her a job in that place. And she ain't missed nothing in that place. But she had a day in the wilderness. When the job wasn't giving her what she needs for the place that God gave her. See, sometimes we get so comfortable, but I believe Apostle was saying, God, you didn't bring me to this place to leave me like this. You didn't bring me all the way here for me not to have nothing. So she began to trust in God. She began to call on God. And as she did, God gave her another place. Do you think things in your life is not going to crumble sometime? That's when the trusting in God come in. Y'all, if we had all the money in the world to fix everything, it still wouldn't be fixed. Because if you ain't right, nothing else will satisfy you. That's why the Bible said hell has enlarged itself. Yeah, because everything in this world we want. Hmm. This is why God said, I'm going to the next point. Y'all, we, we can continue this out until Jesus come. And I'm going to ride this as long as I can because I'm going to tell you something. The church is messed up and mixed up. And the reason why the church is messed up and mixed up because some people behind the pulpit is messed up and mixed up. And some people behind the pulpit want to always tell you it's all right when it's not all right. Some people want to tell you, okay, you'll get it right. Yes, you'll get it right. But we want to talk about when are you ready to get it right? Not just saying you're going to do right. We want to make sure your heart is right before him. Some people say what they want you to hear, but discerning the spirit say, oh, I bind that in the name of Jesus. That's a lie coming from the pit of hell. So this is what God did. He took them through this wilderness. And this wilderness helped them to know who he was. And it actually helped Moses, the leader, because Moses got so mad, he called them stiff-necked people. He called them rebellious people. Moses had enough. The first time God said, Moses, I want you to strike the rock. Water's going to come out. He did that. But next time God said, okay, we're going to move up a little bit. You don't have to hit me no more, Moses. Only thing I want you to do is speak to me. Moses didn't speak. Them people made Moses mad. He hit him again. And God said, because of your disobedience, he said, you will see the promised land, but you'll never enter it. See how people take you out of your place? In order for us to stay in our place, we have to 
Be before God on a daily basis. Y'all ain't no hitting and missing with God. We don't hit and miss with everything. Hit and miss on your job. You be fired. Then you still coming up with an excuse. You shouldn't have fired me. Look at that one over there. They come in five, ten times. No, but they caught you, so just go. We want to look at somebody else, just like Adam and Eve did. Everybody blamed somebody. Adam believed, uh, blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And the serpent say, I don't care. I did what I needed to do. I know where I'm going. He had nobody to blame. He knew what he was doing. So why are we blaming each other? Sometimes me and my husband have a conversation and he'll say, well, you remember what you, I said, you remember what you did? Why? It don't matter. Let's just get it done. Then we'll bring it back up again. Why it's hot? The fire's burning. Then the room doors are shutting. You stay out there, I stay in here. I got to talk to Jesus. But when I come out, it's all right, it's all right, had a little talk with Jesus, and it's all right. Have y'all ever been like that? I told him all of my problems. What's the other part of that? Hear my faintest cry. And he answered me for your sake by and by. I had a little talk with Jesus and he saved my husband. I had a little talk with Jesus and he made it all right. Y'all laugh all you want. Some of you mad right now. Come on, let's just be truthful. This is what we do. You got to talk to him. Because when you can't talk to each other, you got to go to him and say, Father, deal with me. We don't want to be dealt with because we so full of us. We so full of pride. But God said, when you let the pride go, then I'll let you know what to do. He said, I can't work with that because we make pride of God. So God told them, and I'm going to go through this because you all know we're going back over it. I'm going to go through it again because God said he want a clean house. He want a clean house. He don't want nothing before him. Y'all, when God is the center of everything, whatever he's doing in his house, we won't have a problem. Because he is center of everything. We're not looking at people. We're looking at him. We're seeing the hearts of men and women. We're not looking at each other cross-eyed and acting like we're looking, but we're not. So this is why God is saying we have to get into the word. And the reason why I'm taking so long on this is because God want to show Miracle Temple that when you put me first and foremost in your life, there's nothing missing and there's nothing broken because you're going to know me as Jehovah Shalom. You're going to know me as a God of peace. And if I'm a God of peace, I got everything in line. I got your health. I got your welfare. I got everything in line. Your safety because I'm Jehovah Shalom. You will be at peace no matter where you go and no matter who you around. Because guess what y'all? When people hate you, you love them the more. 
And that's what break them people down to say, how can you love me when you know how I feel about you? Because God loved me first. And because I know his love, I can love you with his love and not my own. Because my love want to beat you down now, but his love want to love you. Let him love you for who you are in him. Y'all, when we know all this, we won't be wasting time. Y'all, we waste time. We waste energy. That's why blood pressures go up. That's why sometimes you're walking and feel like you're floating because your blood pressure done went up. There was this guy, and I'm talking about making God center. And I just heard this last night. It was this guy, and it was him and his two brothers, and the brother was saying stuff about the mother that was not right. And the lady told me that the two brothers jumped on that one brother. The brother that jumped on him, which was the oldest one, he said that he knew he had physical problems because he had a stroke some years down the road. But guess what, y'all? When they called the ambulance there to see what all the commotion was, he said he heard something say, listen at this, something. Check your blood pressure. Check this blood pressure, and it said error. So they're saying, okay, our equipment is messed up. So he said he heard it again. Go to the ED. Have them to check your blood pressure. He went to the ED. They checked his blood pressure. And they said, you in the middle of a heart attack. You could have died. His blood pressure was so high they couldn't get a reading. Isn't God a loving God? All of this was through anger. They were so angry. These are siblings that their blood pressure wouldn't even register. The enemy wanted to take him out, but God got plans. See, God would give us chance after chance. Do you know financial situations will take you out of here quicker than cancer? Hating one another take you out of here quicker than a disease. Anger will take you out of here. You will be so angry you can't even pay attention. The enemy knows this. Why am I saying this? Because these things are our gods because we don't want to bring them down. We want to rise them up. We want to raise them up. I don't go down like that. Everybody know who I am. That's not who you are. Not in him. God said it's time for us to search ourselves. Say, Lord, search me and see if there's even any evil or wicked way in me, God, that I don't see that I'm suppressing. Search me today, God. I don't want to leave this world not fulfilling what you have given me to do, Lord. Search me, God. What is going on with me? I don't feel right, God. You got to ask God to search you and see what you have suppressed for so long because what the enemy is doing, he's building it up. He's building it up. And it don't have to be the person that hurt you. But somebody can come at you wrong. And you can end up killing them because of what you suppress. And you acting like God. God don't operate like that. Going back. We look in the word. Where Abraham trusted God. He knew him as Jehovah. His provider. He knew, knew him as Jehovah. Um, No, El Shaddai. He knew him as Almighty. How did he know him? He went through things. 
So he got to know who God was. But then God began to show me a man whose name was Solomon. And Solomon was David's son. And David went through a lot of things in his life. And he shedded a lot of blood. So God said, I don't want you to build my house. Because they wanted to um, have a house where God can dwell in. God said, David, you don't shed too much blood. You can't build my house. So it was turned over to Solomon, his son. And Solomon was young. And Solomon said, I don't know how to go in and out with these people. I don't know what to do. He said, the only thing I'm asking for is a discerning heart to know good from evil. And because Solomon's heart was right, I want y'all to check this. His heart was so right that God heard his heart. It was so true. God said, you didn't even ask for riches, Solomon. You cared so much about the people making sure you were coming in and out with the people. Now I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you even more than what you ask. Come on, y'all. Have we been in a place with God that we're coming to him with our whole heart saying one thing, but yet deep down inside, that's not what we really want. Uh Uh-uh. Solomon came to him with his whole heart. And God gave him riches, y'all. But then the test came when a woman, two women... They had two babies. One died and one woman said, no, that's my baby. The other woman said, no, that's my baby. Solomon said, okay, we're going to settle this. Cut the baby in half. And the woman said, no, let her have it. He said, no, that's her child. So see how wisdom responded because God gave him that. He was wise, very wise. But then the Bible tells me Solomon was very rich, exceedingly rich. And who was the woman that came in and saw how well his stuff was set up? Who was that? Um, what's her name? Sheba. Thank you, Manny. Sheba come in and Sheba saw how well his stuff was organizing, how wise he was. And she given him things. But guess what? Solomon turned around and gave her some stuff because he had everything he needed. Right. But again, guess what happened? Solomon began to follow women. And he began to serve those women gods. Where am I going with this? You can be in a place with God. And your heart is before God. But then when you allow a man or woman to come before God and you make them your God, you're going to end up compromising with who you are in him. Little by little, you're going to end up doing things that you should not do to satisfy that man or woman. He had 700, what? Was it concubines or wives? And 300, how many? Check this out. What in the world was that man made out of? That's how many? 700 plus 300 is what? I believe some men is trying to hit the quota and probably already done hit it. They had to quit counting. Y'all can smile all you want. Anywho, as they say, had all of this, but he went to these women and he went up and worshiped with them. But God's supposed to be the one and only and true God. So that's when the kingdoms began to depart. They began to divide because of what Solomon was doing. So what am I saying? We can have people as our idols. We need to check ourselves and say, God, who do I love more than I love you? You know who you love more than you love God because you always trying to do what they want you to do. You always trying to make peace with them instead of asking God what to do with them.
And that's how the enemy come in. See, what the enemy want, he always want to be above God. Y'all don't get it? He's using things to be above God. He used people. He used cars. He used houses. He used children. He used animals. He used whatever he can use for you to put them above God. He used your thoughts. Your thoughts can be idols. Because when you start thinking wrong, you're going to start doing wrong. You're going to start saying wrong things and they're going to become a stronghold. That's a fortress in your life. When you always say, nobody want to hang around me. I'm always by myself. If you don't cast that thought down, that's your God. And that's what you're going to always go back to. And that's what your atmosphere is going to be. And what's going to happen is, while you speaking that stuff, even though God got people set up for you, guess what? The enemy is whispering in their ear, so don't talk to them. Because you're speaking it. We're supposed to speak those things that be not as though they were. This is why I say cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What exalts itself? Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So what thoughts have you allowed to be your God? That keep floating around that has created a stronghold in your life that you're not willing to bring down because you're saying, oh, it's me. You're in him. He's in you. There's nowhere that you go that they should not see his glory. And if his glory is not revealed because you in you, you have come out of him. You allowing the flesh to rule. What have you spoken all of these years and it have come to pass and you're saying, see God, no, that was you. You spoke that over your life. You're having what you say. You speak according to the word of God, according to the word. And one thing that I have learned when it comes to speaking, when you stand before a person and you see fear, you say, you know what? There's fear in your life. You're not putting fear on them. You're telling them what's there and you're saying we're going to bind that in the name of Jesus. If you never recognize it, how can you get rid of it? Everything that you see that's good ain't good. It may act good, it may talk good, but it ain't about God. So that's why you have discerning of spirits. And God began to show me another. And this, this guy in the Bible, what I love so much about him, before him there was a king called Manasseh. And Manasseh was very wicked. He was the most wicked person, they said, most wicked king out of all the kings. And what Manasseh did, everything that God told Hezekiah to tear down, the altars and, you know, all this stuff, the familiar spirits, get all this out the land, have no other God before me. Manasseh built back up the high places. He even had the audacity to put a statue right there in the temple of God. So when you're going in there, you're going to see another God before you even see God. So he built all of that stuff up. He was so wicked. They say he was so wicked that the people, by him putting this stuff before the people, the people succumbed to what he did. See, you better know who you up under. Because any pastor that allowed foolishness to come in the house of God, where we come in to worship God in spirit and in truth, any pastor who allowed the world to come into the church and say it's okay because we're bringing people in through this, that's a lie. That means that they're putting that before God. 
Any pastor who allow people in the church that says that they're born again and affairs are going on in the church and they don't pull these people out and give them godly counsel, they're doing the same thing they're doing. They just ain't got caught. Who don't want to pull sin aside? Who don't want to say, come here, I need to talk to you for a minute. Nobody don't want to talk about these things. They want to keep them hidden. But Manasseh was so wicked, y'all, that he made the people succumb to that wickedness. But then another one come in, a king named Josiah. And when God had me to turn to Josiah over a month ago, I've been on Josiah up to now. And every time I would read about Josiah, he was eight years old when he began to reign, when he was put in place as a king. And this is what I like. When you go to Second Chronicles, I like this, what they said. It's the same thing that Second Kings 22 is talking about. But Second Chronicles, bring it out a little bit more. Second Chronicles in 33. No, 34. Listen at this. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one and 30 years. That means 31 years. And I love this. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. That means his ways was the ways of God. He didn't go left. He didn't go right. He did exactly what God told him to do. This is the verse that got me. For in the 18th year of his reign, he was 18 years old. While he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. Now, seeking means that he was inquiring. He was inquiring to God about different things. This is what we're supposed to do, y'all, every day. We're supposed to go to God. That's what seeking is. God, how do you want me to do this? God, which way you want me to go with this? That means that you're saying, God, you above everything. God, you know all things. You all know it. God, I need to know what you think about this. So this is what he did at 20. He was eight when he got in there, and I'm pretty sure he was taught the ways of God, but he had to inquire for himself now. So as he began to inquire, they say when he got at the age of 20, oh, Josiah was something else. Guess what he did at 20? He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places, from the groves, from the craven images, the molding images. He broke down altars. He broke down groves. He even got rid of the high priest that was doing wicked. He even did some killing up in there. Say, you cannot come up in here. He cleaned the place. You know why? Because he was seeking God. He was inquiring from God what need to be done. Y'all, they need all that he done. He began to repair the temple. Let me tell you something about a pastor that want to repair. See, I'm one that want to root up and tear down and build you back up. See, this is what God want. He want me to root up those things in your life that's not like God. That rooting up hurt because some people say, oh, that ain't me. Why you say that about me? I ain't say nothing about you. I'm just telling you what God see. You talk to God about that. Either you want that to come up or come out or you don't. We don't have all day. Which way you want it? Some people you got to talk to just like that. Some people I have talked to, they say, that ain't me. No, that ain't you. It's the spirit that's in you. Been saved, I don't know how many years and don't know what's there. 
You got rejection. I ain't never been rejected in my life. You know why? Because you've been throwing you out there and you ain't recognize what's there. When you want to be the center of attention, hear me, see me, be attached to me. Or you want to throw somebody else under the bus so you can be first and foremost. That's rejection. Rejection is saying, I want people to like me. So I got to sleep around. I got to wear certain clothes. I got to wear eyelashes. If you're wearing all of this stuff to get people to see you, forget it. You need to be delivered. So that's rejection. So God want to show you what's there. So what Manasseh did, he was building up these high places. He sent in a Josiah, Apostle, Amanda, Walker, Bryant to tear them down. To tear them down. So I can build you back up. Ooh, I'm excited. In the things of the Lord. Some of you don't want to be built back up. That's why some people don't like me. Because that's what God called me to do. I had to put it behind me. So I can remind myself, that's who I am. I'm not going to be liked. My husband would tell me this. You just like them walkers. That wasn't no walker. That was that rooting up and tearing down that's in me. That's what that is. He always played with me like that. And I would say, yeah, you just like them bronze too. You want me to go there, do you? <laughs> so we have them discussions, y'all just playing. But the truth be told, all of us got something in us that we have planted. And you planted it through your thoughts, through your way of thinking. And sometimes you don't see it because you think I'm okay. But you're not. You may be saved, but you still got some work that need to be done. And that's calling, that's called in the, in the soulish realm. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Because if you let yourself look at anything, touch anything, and those things become a part of you, there's a root in you, and the enemy is holding on to that to keep you, even though you serving God, you can't get to the place God wants you to be because you don't want nobody rooting nothing up out of you. You don't want people to know what's going on with you. But people that are in the spirit on the Lord's day, see, God had to take Ezekiel in the spirit and show him the people that was working in the temple. He said, look at here, look at here. They got a jealous God, a God of justice. Huh? God said, they know that I'm a jealous God and they don't put something right there in front of me. He said, don't they see that I see? They don't even know I'm looking at them. He said, come on, come on, Ezekiel. He was in the spirit. I'm in the spirit. He said, come on, come on. Oh, Jesus, the Christ, the anointed Messiah. Woo. You didn't have to show me all that, but go ahead on. There was a hole in the temple, like walls. These walls in the temple where they were keeping their stuff, um, their dedicated things to do things in the temple. He went through there. Oh, y'all, they had all of these Things that they had put on the walls. These pictures. It was representing other gods. And God was saying. Don't they see that I see. So God was showing it to Ezekiel. They were worshiping the sun. And the moon. And the stars. And you know all of this stuff they were doing. God said don't y'all know that I see. Don't y'all know that I know. Don't y'all know that I'm God. And if I got a man or woman after my own heart. Don't you know I'm going to show them you. I'm going to show you, show them what's going on in your life. You may smile in her face, but I already know what's going on in your house. You may say, Lord, Lord, 
Taking medication to fall asleep is an addiction. Taking a medication to do something quick that you don't want to take the time to be done naturally is an addiction. How can we talk about drug addicts when we got it in our home in our cabinet? Pop one every now and then. You get nervous. You got something to calm it down. The word will bring a calmness to you that you never had before. Now, what am I saying? Now, if you have to have it, that's up to you with taking it. But it comes a time when your body get used to it and it don't do nothing for you. It doesn't. Now you got to go to a higher dosage. And then they ain't making no more higher than that. They don't. Your body goes on what you give it. I'm going to say this. Male and female, if you give your body sex every day, that's what it wants. That's why they call women prostitutes and call them hoes. If that's what they do 24-7, their body's crying out for that. Nobody don't have to walk them to the corner. They're already there before they get there. Nobody have to give them directions. They're standing there. Same thing with a drug addict. They're trying to find the same high. Women that been with so many men can't enjoy their husband because they're trying to find the same feeling because they done been with 20, 40, 50 men. They can't find the one that gave them the feeling like James Brown. Y'all don't get it? Come on, I'm talking real now. Nobody don't want to hear this. This is fact. So this is why you got to take time in this word to root up this mess in your life because your wife ain't going to be your one and only. Even though you doing everything for that wife, you still got some thoughts that's in your head that you being tormented with when you need to say, I need to be delivered from this. I can't take it no more because one day you're going to call her Sally and her name Sue. snap back women get to know who he is cause you got to be there to help him help him up mm-hmm. cause I'm telling you y'all we're in those days we're in those days God will show you what's going on around you if you let him He'll reveal it to you because he's not going to let nobody be done any kind of way. That's why I love that song, Empty Me. Lord, no, let me tell you something. When you love somebody the way God loves you, you ain't accepting anything in your temple. I'm going to help you out. This man here, Josiah, he was on it. Once he cleaned up everything, y'all, he said, "Uh uh-uh, we're going to repair these breaches in this temple. The temple need to be repaired. Our body is the temple that God inhabits. We are spirit, have a soul that live in a body. This body needs some repair, y'all. And the only way it can get some repair is through the word of God. And the Bible said, Josiah and them, they took up money. And they took up money to repair. Now, we ain't taking up no money in here to repair you, okay? We're just telling you about what he did. (laughs) 
He took up money to repair the temple because he had to have the money to get the stuff for the temple. So they took up money because they had to hire people to come in there and take care of what needed to be done. I'm going somewhere. These people had to be hired. They had to have the money to do what God wanted them to do. So let me ask you something. Why do people think that pastors don't need nothing? They're repairing the breach. Fivefold, they're repairing the breach. They got to come in. They got to clean it up. They got to spend time in the word. So these people came in and guess what they said? They didn't even hold them accountable for the money that was in their hand because they were faithful. They didn't even check to see what they were doing because they knew they were faithful. When you got faithful people that God has put in your life, you should not be questioning what they're doing. Because they're repairing the breach. They're helping your temple come in subjection to the word of God. They're bringing your body back to subjection, letting you know God dwells in you. Now we want to put this body under subjection through. You're getting under subjection right now. That's what a good pastor is going to do. Because you want to be controlled by the spirit. The pastor said, I know flesh up in here. We want to be controlled by the spirit. So good leaders is going to put that flesh up under control. But it's your job to do it. But a good leader is going to say flesh is out of control. Come on, let's bring it back. Under subjection to the spirit of the living God. This is what we. This is what Josiah did. Wasn't that a good king? And the Bible says. There was not a king. Like him. After him. He was the one. Josiah. He did like David did. Josiah. He when This is what they said. When they went. To get the, um, the, the repair of the temple, they found the laws of God. They came back and they began to read before the king the law of God. When he heard the law, he rented his clothes. He said, this kingdom is tore up. He said, we got to put it back in order. He even sent it to a prophetess. And the prophetess began to say about the wrath of God coming at the people because it was so much out of order. But she said, the king who rent his clothes, who heart was right before God, he's not going to be here in the midst of this mess. He's not going to be here to see. He's going to rest. So she went back. She gave the word to Josiah. He took it before the people and he said, this is what we're going to do. And Josiah went again and started tearing up some stuff, getting rid of the priest. Y'all is so good. This is what we supposed to be doing. You are kingdom citizens. You don't sit in the house of God and see your brother and sister fornicating, committing adultery, lying, cheating, stealing, running their mouths, gossiping. You don't sit in the midst of it without bringing correction and saying, I'm going to go home and pray on it. You know what the words say. Why you got to pray? They spread more lies while you pray. But what you do, you bring them correction. The blood is off your hand. You done told them. So when you stand before God. Why we want to preach and teach but don't want to confront nobody? Somebody tell me. Why? (laughs) That's one of his commands. 
How long are you going to pray for that person and you see they've been sleeping around for ages? Well, I just don't get in everybody's business now. That's between that husband, that's between that wife. Now some things don't need to be... Well, who saw it? Well, don't you think that you need to talk to the person that you saw and let them know and be aware of who they are. You just reminding them that you're the righteousness of God. Last time I checked, you were serving a mighty God. But this is what I saw, but I'm just reminding you of who you are. You don't have to go tell the wife nothing. You telling the one you saw. You didn't see the wife, you saw the husband. And then you back up off of it. And that husband ain't going to stay in church and look at you and look at that wife without telling something. Because they ain't going to be able to stay in that church. Because they're going to be like this, like a pinball. And then the woman stand up, oh Lord, you got to bring them back to life. But that's going to bring them back in. We have no excuse. So God said it's still more tearing down Miracle Temple that we have to do because we're still holding on to some things in this house. And by you holding on to some things in this house, you cannot do the work of God the way he needs for you to do it. Why? Because the enemy got something on you. You cannot fulfill the plan and purpose that God has for your life because the enemy got something on you. I got news for y'all. Once God cleanses you, you're clean. Your past is your past. In a matter of fact, you don't supposed to be dwelling on what you used to do or how you used to do it. You're supposed to dwell on who you are now that you're in him. I am a new creation in him. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if you want to talk to me, let's talk about the newness that's in me because I'm in Christ. I don't know who that is no more because that's not me. That's who I was, but this is who I am. So I don't care to hear about who I am. I know who I am now in him. Because the enemy want to remind you that you used to sleep around. He want to remind you that you this, that, or the other. But you need to remind him who holds the keys to the kingdom. Don't dwell on your past. If anybody is still throwing up your past after you have been forgiven, they have not forgiven you. It is good to let people know this is where I used to be. But this is who I am. And I don't dwell on that no more. But I'm telling you, if he brought me from that place of darkness into the marvelous light, he can do the same for you because he's still a loving God. He reigns on the just as well as the unjust. So I give him glory for who I am now. So God is saying today, we still got more. We got to root up and we got to tear down. What are you willing to let go of? What are you willing to say, God, I have put this before you? And sometimes it's hard to let it go, isn't it? Because you have become so fond of that, that it's hard to loose that thing and let it go. Anything that you have put above God is your God. And God said, have no other God before me. Get to know who I am. And the more you get to know who I am, it's not hard to let go of everything else. And I assure you, you won't miss it. You will not miss it. How many got addicts in their house, houses or a place where you keep things that you pack away? Anybody? 
How many can remember what's in that attic? Everything. Can't remember everything. Some things you, sometimes you, if, if your house got burnt up, thank God it don't. It won't. But if they ask you what was in that attic, you'll sit there with a, like a deer in headlights. I, I, only thing I can say is, well, some winter clothes up there. I can't tell you what it was. Because anything you pack and put away, you'll go buy something. And later on, when you're digging through it, I had it right there. Right? So, if we pack that away and we don't deal with it no more, Jennifer, why are we allowing the enemy to bring stuff up to us? Dealing with our past and we holding on to it. Why? Don't know who we are. Get to know who you are. First of all, get to know who he is. You'll find out who you are in him and you won't be dealing with all this mess you're dealing with so we can go out under the great commission and bring people into the kingdom of God so they will know what Jesus have done for them. We are wasting time on us and people out there dying in their mess and we are asking, where are they saved? Ain't that what we ask? When somebody died, well, where are they saved? That's a good question, isn't it? Or we'll show up to see if they say why they can talk. Well, what if they can't talk? What you going to do? Hmm? Only thing you're going to remember is that last act that they did and where they were and how they did it, right? But if we go out and be disciples instead of staying in here, trying to rule here, and go out there and take the authority God has given us and bring people in here, to get taught the true and living word of God, we'll be all right. God's going to take care of what's in here when it come in here, but you got to go out there and take care of what's out there. We, for some reason, don't have time to go out there and disciple no more because it's either too cold or if it's too hot or we're just too tired. You can reach them on Facebook. Hey. Mm-hmm. So I give God glory for this teaching, knowing who God is. And I pray that each time we go through this, you get more and more out of this. And you search yourself more than you searching each other. Amen. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise.